Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Hey everybody, welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, it's me, uh, Henry Chisholm, your host. Uh, And before we jump into the show today, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and the texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store, in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. It's a pretty special day today, in case you guys haven't heard. Uh, It's Tuesday. Um, I don't even know where to start. BSN Denver is dead and it's being replaced by DNVR. This is something that we've all been really excited for, for a couple of months now. Um, originally we were going to like do this a little bit earlier, make the change. Um, when we brought in Andrew Mason, uh, to cover the Broncos, if you guys don't know who Andrew Mason is, then uh, you probably aren't Broncos fans, to be honest. He's been covering the team better than anybody, to be honest, for the last 15 years, probably. Uh, you spent the last 12 years or so working for the Broncos, doing a bunch of their digital content, uh, hosted some shows. He was on Orange and Blue 760 at a show with Ryan Edwards and Steve Atwater. He is incredible. He's somebody who I've followed for my entire life to be honest um so so he's been with us for a couple of weeks now uh he wanted to get in in time for the start of the season which makes sense because he's traveling to all of the games for us covering the broncos but this whole time we've kind of just had adam mares and brendan voked two incredible creative minds um Kind of just sitting on the sideline, waiting until closer to Nugget season to do all this stuff. Not sitting on the sideline, because they have been really helpful behind the scenes. They've been coming up with ideas for content. They've been working on, I mean, honestly, just ideas for us to implement going forward as DNVR. Um, I've I've gotten to spend quite a bit of time with those two, and I've been so impressed. I'm so excited to have them around. Um they just have really good ideas and they understand how to do this type of stuff really well. If you guys were following them with, uh, when they were with Denver stiffs, uh, you know 
what they are capable of. You know, Brendan controlling that Twitter account. I don't know that I've seen a better a better media outlet Twitter account than that Denver Stiffs account. You know, we had we had a company meeting in July, maybe end of July, maybe early August, uh, somewhere around there though, and. It was the first time we kind of got everybody in a room. Of course, we were at Blake Street Tavern. Have to plug that. We do everything we can at Blake Street Tavern. Um, And so it's just like all 20 of us who work at BSN sitting in one room just talking. And sure, there's like information that everybody needs to know, but just having all these smart people, not just like talking about what we want to do, but talking about sports and having all these incredible takes ended up being like a six-hour meeting for some of us, some people had to like get out of there because they have families and stuff. But for those of us who were there until midnight, it was just incredible to get to talk with all of these super smart people. And we've just been waiting for today to actually launch all of this and let you guys see what we've been working on. Um, at that meeting, Brandon Spano said, you know, during this Nuggets playoff run, I can't swear. He said, I effing hated the Denver Stiffs. And I thought the exact same thing that whole time. Like, that is who we need to be as BSN Denver at the time. Like, that's what we want to be. We want to be not just reporters because there are a lot of reporters. We want to be instrumental to the community around these teams and help you guys develop this community so that we can all build this thing together and turn, just build a culture, build a movement uh, make it easy for Buffs fans to be Buffs fans, whatever that might be, whether that just means building a place for you guys to communicate, having tailgates for you guys, um, me writing film rooms so that you guys can know more about football and be more informed football fans, me having interviews, with whatever we can do to make you guys the best fans possible is what we are trying to do. And they've come up with so many more creative ways to do that. And it's going to be a blast. And I'm so excited. Um, I, they actually didn't give me any talking points. And, and then now that now that I'm sitting here actually talking about this, I kind of wish I had thought through what exactly you guys need to know. Basically, if you're a subscriber, you, you're still subscribed. There's no new sign-up. Uh, we changed the name. We rebranded. We built new studios. But on your end right now, there's nothing you need to be worried about in terms of how you access our content still in the same ways we have some cool new live stuff coming up um doing a lot more live video which is going to be awesome and i'm not sure if i'm supposed to be talking too much about it Uh, and i just got to the replay of delrick abrams hurting his shoulder huh that's disappointing we're gonna get to buff's talk in a second though um because that's what you're here for uh we've just been so excited about all of this the new studios the new uh some new shirts that are just so cool um i'm excited for you guys to see what we're doing if you guys are nuggets fans check out i think we've already dropped by the time we we post this podcast we'll definitely have the Wancho Hernan Gomez uh season preview ready where it's uh Adam Mars, Brendan Vogt our new guys who we've just been hiding from you for a while now um talking for 10 or 15 minutes about what's going on with Wancho Hernan Gomez and then there's a Monte Morris one doing the same thing one of our new studios um that we are really proud of and really excited about and we're I mean, that sums it up. We're really excited. And hopefully you guys are as excited as we are. Okay. 
but you're not here to hear about that. You are here at the DNVR Buffs podcast on this Tuesday to hear about the Buffs. And the big news is that Mel Tucker doesn't have an update on the injuries. It's disappointing. It's definitely disappointing. Uh, I wanted to get that for you guys today because, I mean, that's that's what's most important, right? Like right now, sure, what are you guys doing to fix the coverage? What are you guys doing to fix the pass rush? This kind of stuff. That's interesting, but, I mean, that's all kind of broad stuff where it's just processes that will take some time to implement and that sort of stuff whereas the injury information is just straight up facts is are these guys going to be ready for next saturday we don't know uh usually like i said yesterday we do get the injury report on tuesdays um but for the bye week it kind of shifts things around uh we asked specifically about mel tucker not about mel tucker we asked mel tucker about uh lavisca chenault and mustafa johnson and he said he would have an update for us in a couple of days. So before the end of the week, uh, the last media availability is Thursday. So I'd guess that it's going to be Thursday that we hear that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at with injuries. Oh, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing that that's the state of the team right now. But like Mel said, you know, every team in the country is going through this. They have guys who are banged up, whether they're college teams, whether they're NFL teams, whether they're high school teams. Nobody is totally healthy. Um, What matters right now is being the team that responds to not being healthy the best. And that's totally true. Uh, Learned a little bit about practice this week. I didn't... I didn't get my question in at the right time. I wanted to ask, like, you know, are you guys, like, taking this week a little bit slow? But that's you know the answer to that is, no, we're going fast. We're, we're, we have things to work on, all this kind of stuff. And before I had figured out what exactly my phrasing for that is, like, you know, how do you rest, guys? But also, I mean, what do you want to get out of the bye week? Do you want to get rest? Do you want to get all this stuff? You know, it's a tough, tough thing to ask and somebody else asked pretty early on and we got a decent answer um we learned some things it wasn't just talk and quotes it wasn't just like here's some deep thought that mel tucker had which i love i do love that part but we learned something he had hard facts for us like that today in practice he was having um i think he said good on good was the phrase which i liked uh it was like a training camp practice in that some of the top-tier guys were going against each other. It wasn't number one offense against the scout team defense and then number or yeah number one defense against the scout team offense. Sounds like they did uh, more training camp-style stuff where it's the ones against the ones or maybe the ones against the twos or maybe a hybrid of both. Maybe even the ones just look like a hybrid because half the team can't walk. But uh, it's interesting that that's how they're going about it. And... This is speculation from here on out about this topic, but I think that that probably means that Mel Tucker is concerned about the pass defense, as he should be, as we all are, and he knows that he has one of the best passing offenses in the Pac-12. And I don't think that that's a stretch to say, having looked at what they've done. I mean... Again, we we talk too much about pro football focus for how much I have to say that I don't really get into the pro football focus stats, but sometimes it's worth throwing out there. You know, 
something like this that in the first four weeks of the season, there have been obviously four Pac-12 teams of the week uh, that Pro Football Focus puts out. The Buffs have had three different receivers on those teams of the week. Uh, saw that on Twitter. One of you guys might have tweeted that. Sorry if I stole it without crediting you. I'm hoping I'm just stealing it from Pro Football Focus. Uh, but yeah, that's that's crazy that that is the case. Three different receivers. Uh, Tony Brown, Katie Nixon, LaVisca Chenault, obviously. And when you have those guys, you put those guys up against your number one defense and see if you can challenge them to be better. See how they respond. You know, it's, it's tough. We talked about this a lot in Air Force Week, how it can be tough to really game plan for a team, uh, especially a team like Air Force that runs a weird offense that you just can't replicate because there's so much to it that you can't just teach it to the scout team. Um, and then oh, during that week, you don't get great looks. You know, you don't get great looks at a Pac-12 offense uh, from a scout team offense. But you also can't risk injury to your best offensive players having them go up against the number one defense. It's dangerous. But in days like today when they're out there, just helmets, no pads, you can have your number one offensive guys go up against that defense and give them real top-level Pac-12 looks and hope that the defense learns something from it. Uh, That's what happened today. Um, Side note. The guys were wearing three different colors helmets. Uh, they they had the gray helmets on, the white helmets on, the black helmets. Um, I was peeking over the fence, and I'm not supposed to do that and report on it, but I feel like something as harmless as helmets, why not? And so I asked uh, Arlington Hambright, or no, was it? No, it wasn't him. It was Jaron Mangum, the running back, freshman running back, whether or what what was going on. Why Why are you wearing these different color helmets? He just said that they were testing out different helmets guys had different helmets they need to try make sure they work right and today was the day they got through that maybe there's more of it Uh, i was hoping for something more exciting to be honest but i guess that might mean that they're trying to wear some new helmets in games which is always exciting because style points count and you can't change my mind about that uh similarly lots of talk today about mel tucker wearing shorts in the game against Arizona State, um, re- people really wanted to get a, a bit of a rise out of him, get him to go off, like say something surprising. But if you asked him why uh, he wore shorts during that football game, uh, he, he would say because it was 90 degrees. And that's reasonable and probably a fair response. There might not be more to it than that. Um, so yeah, he he says he hasn't gotten too much pushback or anything. He just wore shorts while he coached a football game, and it probably isn't that big of a deal. And the fact that he sees it like that is actually pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much everything that we learned today. Uh, asked Arlington Hambright and Jaron Mangum if they have any plans for the bye week. That was going to be my story today. Like, here's how people are handling the bye week. Here's what they're excited to do. Um they're going to sleep more, they're going to practice. So, not the greatest story. I'm going to have to come up with something else when this podcast is over, but I guess that's a good place to remind me. I think Jaron's birthday is actually tomorrow, so he'll probably he say probably like celebrate his birthday, but mostly it's just rehab, spend more time in the training room and uh go to football practice. So, nothing exciting there. 
Uh, my bye week really isn't that much more exciting than theirs. Went to that Black Keys concert last night. Also Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse was super disappointing. That's like a band that I've wanted to see. I don't know if I could say I've wanted to see them for the last like 15 years or like 12 years or whatever, but I could tell you like 12, 15 years ago, I really wanted to see them and haven't given much thought since. And they are pretty, they, I mean, they they couldn't play like the guitar riff to float on. Like it, it was mind blowing to me that the most popular song they have they couldn't get the guitar up and things were like out of tune and like it, they were in the wrong keys and it was kind of tough to sit through to be totally honest, which is disappointing because I was really excited to see them. Um, yeah, we don't have to dig too deep into this, but it was also the first night of the tour. So maybe that was it. Definitely disappointing. Black keys though. Afterward, they were pretty awesome. They rocked, uh, partially because they were like it was like watch modest mouse be meh and then watch the black keys be stellar that they might have looked even better but they put on like a good show it had like a big like curve an arc to it it felt like they were going somewhere at the show it wasn't just like play a bunch of music really loud for like an hour they like built and they like that slow and you know how concerts go they did that uh this has been a weird tangent but the point is that before that, I had a couple of Breckenridge beers. And that made Modest Mouse... I mean, that's why we sat through Modest Mouse uh, instead of trying to like plug my ears and save them because, to be honest, the damage was not worth it for that hour and a half, maybe? They just kept going. But um, the Breckenridge beers were awesome. And as you guys know, they're a huge partner, one of our closest partners here at DNVR. And I just love saying that. That is how you say it, by the way. DNVR. It's not like Denver because there are no E's in it. If you see it, it's DNVR. Um, people making jokes. People make jokes about things. There's been so much support, actually. Like, I thought that there would be more people who were just like angry at BSN Denver for some reason who would be coming out of the shadows being like, oh, this is blah, blah, blah. But no, it has been overwhelmingly positive. We've just been like sharing all the happy messages. There's like a small group on Twitter who's very anti-BSN Denver. They've been making their jokes. But uh, it's a group that is making jokes about pretty much everything. And this has been another tangent. Good beer, though. Colorado core. I heard Ryan on the podcast yesterday, the Broncos podcast, explain it as uh, a mix of a cider, an ale, and a champagne. Now, I only really drink beer, and when I drink beer, I don't really know what kind of beer, but I trust Ryan in his analysis of things when he says that's what the Colorado core is. And all I can really add to that is that it's also just, it's good. It's very good. Um, also, make sure you're looking at the Breckenridge event calendar. Uh, no longer on bsndenver.com. It's at thednvr.com, um, which is cool. And on there, I actually don't know if the tailgate's on there, but as I've said before, before the Bronco game Sunday when they take on the Jaguars, uh, Jaguars, Jaguars, whoever, uh, there will be a tailgate, DNVR, partnering with the Sons of Mile High, who've run, they win all the tailgate awards in Denver, which is pretty cool. And I will be there. Uh, my parents will be there. Uh, Zach and Ryan will be there. I think Mace will be there for a little bit. They have to like go work the game eventually. But it's going to be a blast. I can tell you that. 
even if the game is not going to be a blast, the tailgate will be. If you guys are going to the game, definitely stop by. We'll be there for a couple hours before. If you guys are going to watch it like a bar in Denver or something, maybe swing by before the game and then head over to the bar to watch the football game where the Broncos actually have a shot. I'm excited to see Gardner Minshew in person. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think that that is it about Breckenridge Brewery, but we love them and they love us. And so if we can add you guys into that somehow, we would really appreciate it. Um, also, uh, this is a new read, I believe. Um, you guys know how supporting local businesses is in our blood here at DNVR. We are super excited to tell you now about Denver Rubber Company. Um, it may not be what you think it is. Uh, Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com and tell them who sent you. Probably don't say Henry, but say like DNVR sent you. Or say Henry from DNVR and then... That would be even cooler. I don't think it matters for me, but, you know, it's fun. Um, moving into the second segment, there are a couple other pieces of news that we have to get to. Uh, I think just relating to the soccer team. Um, so, the Buffs, like I mentioned yesterday, won a couple of soccer games this weekend. Combined score 6-0. Pretty incredible stuff. I don't know how many clean sheets this is this season, but it's a lot. They are not giving up any goals. It's pretty incredible to watch. Uh, they're out of town the next couple. No, I think they're back next weekend. I can't remember. They play somewhere Thursday, um, and then they have the weekend off, and then next Thursday and Sunday maybe, they're back in Boulder playing Oregon and Oregon State. And not going to lie, don't know if either of those are good soccer teams, but they're in the Pac-12, so I would guess they can't be bad. There's their plug. Here's the news. They are now, in today's poll, ranked 24th, which is exciting. And they'll have a chance to build on that ranking on Thursday. Also worth noting, Taylor Korniak, who we have discussed at length on this podcast. Remember, she is basically the soccer version of LaVisca Chenault um, in every way. Yeah, in every way. And so she won Pac-12 player of Offensive Player of the Week this week which is really exciting and she totally deserves and you're going to be watching her play soccer 
and World Cups and all that kind of stuff in a few years down the road. So you should probably start watching her now. And then you can claim that you're a diehard when she's making a huge name for herself on the national stage, which I am very confident that she will do. But now it's probably time to get back to football. Um, so it's the bye week, which means we don't have quite as many storylines to work off of. You know, everything's kind of slow. They might not admit that, you know, they're working on things, whatever, but there isn't as much going on in Boulder. There isn't an opponent to preview. We don't have matchups to be talking about. And so I really think that this week is kind of a good time to kind of reflect on what has happened, maybe not even since the start of the season, but going all the way back to fall camp. Um, how s- some storylines have developed, and really where things stand, how the Buffs have gotten to where they are. And to start that off, I want to talk about a few of the Colorado Buffaloes who have really stepped up this season. You know, if you if you didn't expect them to start out 3-1, and one, you didn't expect them to beat Nebraska or Arizona State on the road, still an incredible win, by the way, both of them, honestly. But, uh... These are the guys who made that happen, even though a lot of people didn't think that these things would happen. And the first name, um, I'll give you a second to see if you can guess. All right. Uh, It's Tony Brown. It's 100% Tony Brown because, I mean, he's just been invaluable. It's been an interesting twist from the beginning of camp, really, when Tony Brown was... I mean, he was competing for that number three spot, but to be honest, I mean, I thought that Dimitri Stanley had it locked up. When we got into the first depth chart of the season before the Colorado State game, they had LaVisca Chenault listed as a starter. Uh, They had two other wide receiver positions listed. One said Katie Nixon or Dimitri Stanley, and the other said Katie Nixon or Tony Brown. So you knew you had two starters, um, but since Tony Brown and Dimitri, like Dimitri Stanley's in the slot, Tony Brown's an outside guy. You don't know which, I mean, that's why KD had the or instead of just saying this or this, because they do play different positions and KD can play either position, but you knew LaVisco was the number one. You knew KD was the number two. And then the number three was one of those two guys. And just seeing that it wasn't straight up Dimitri Stanley, you know, at the time it just surprised me. And that was the wrong reaction. It shouldn't have been surprised. It should have been like, oh, okay, so I guess he can play. Like, this this should make sense. He must really be good if he's ahead of Dimitri Stanley. Instead, I was like, well, are they just doing this because he's a senior? And, you know, I had talked to him a couple days before then. And I asked him, you know, there's been quite a bit of competition, these receiver spots. You know, what's it like being a senior and being in a competition for playing time with these younger guys. And he said, oh, you know, I'm really not worried about my playing time. Um, I, I know I know that I will have the time I need. Like, that, that was his response. And it kind of caught me off guard. It really caught me off guard because I expected him to say, like, you know, it's, it's tough. You, you have to work for everything. Like, at the very least, something like that. And maybe he opens up a little bit more than saying what you expect him to say. Um, but he really took it the other direction, said... Actually, not sure if the premise of that question is on point. Um, 
didn't say it exactly like that, obviously. There are very few people who would, and Tony Brown is definitely not one of those people. He's another, like, I it's it's not just that he hasn't played football. It's not that, like, we haven't seen him on the field for a few years. He's also kind of a soft-spoken guy, you know? He, he isn't somebody who's going to be loud on social media. Um, he's more of a LaVisca Chenault than he is a Katie Nixon. That's how we're going to say that. And I love both guys. They're just different personalities, you know? Um, and Tony just leans that way. And so for him to say, you know, I'm not worried about playing time. I know I'm going to have playing time. I'm going to have opportunities. I was like, oh, really? And then the depth chart comes out a couple days later. It says basically that same thing. He's their third or fourth receiver. Chev says they want to go, I, th- I think at one point he was saying six to eight deep at receiver. Six or I think it was six to eight, um, which is pretty deep to be going at receiver. Uh, that's a... Uh, that's, I mean, it makes sense now is the point. You know, I should have heard that and been like, oh, really? You're, you're that guy. You're, you're going to be out there doing things with your opportunities. He was confident. And he had a confidence that for his personality means that he really is going to be doing something, uh, if that makes sense. Um, skip ahead to week one against Colorado State. And we get to see what exactly Tony Brown is because he's not what I expected your you know third, fourth receiver to be. Usually those guys are guys who can come in. They're kind of like, I mean, they're, they're just receivers. They don't, they aren't speed guys. They aren't possession guys. They aren't really, they don't fit a mold. They're just like, oh yeah, you're pretty good at, a few different things, and it makes sense. You just kind of sub in where you need to sub in. You're probably not a plus player anywhere. You're not a guy who scares defenses if you get the ball and have a chance to run. You're not a guy who scares the defense when you're running downfield. You know, you don't fit any of these types that really makes you a star. You know, Katie Nixon, incredible deep threat. Good with the ball in his hands as well, but He's a deep threat. That's what his game is. He gets open downfield and tracks the ball and catches it. Uh, LaVisca Chenault has a bunch of those different skills that makes him a number one receiver. You know, if he was just the jump ball guy, sure. Take away whatever, the run after the catch, um, the speed, all that kind of stuff. He's still very good as a jump ball guy. He also has that downfield throw the ball to him on the run, let him outrun the defender. He also has that give it to him short. Like He has all three of those skills. Um, and usually those fourth receivers, those depth receivers who just show up later in games, they're just mixing all of those together a little bit, don't really have an identity as a receiver, just you know, a guy, just a receiver. Um, Tony Brown comes out and shows that that is not him, that he is a deep ball threat, and that's his strength. He's going to beat the defender down the field, and then he can work off of that as well. He can get open on the shorter routes because the defense has to respect the deep game because that's what good receivers do. They have that one elite skill that the defense really has to focus on, and they're good enough in the other areas that they can take advantage of that being overplayed. You know, the defense sags off Tony a little bit. He can run a tight route, get open on the sideline, make a catch. And that was really on display that he was a, you know, a deep ball guy in that Colorado State game. Three catches, 71 yards. Uh, longest was 38 yards. 
no touchdowns, but he set up one of those touchdowns with a big play. He He's a big play receiver, and that's exciting. And that's a guy who has to see the field. And we'd heard during training camp that he was good, that he was flashing, all this kind of stuff. He had good hands. It seemed like every week there was just like a, a subtle mention, like, oh, Tony Brown made a couple plays today, you know, something like that. And you're like, oh, really? Tony Brown did. And I just did not give him nearly enough credit uh, until after we saw him play in that Colorado State game. So he does that, 71 yards on three catches. The next week, Air Force, uh, or sorry, Nebraska, we're, we're like, okay, Tony Brown had a good game. I don't know that I was still bought in yet, if that makes sense. I, did, I don't know if I was a guy who was going to say like, oh yeah, Tony Brown, he has a future. Uh, he, he could get reps on any team in the Pac-12, you know, that kind of stuff. Against Nebraska, he kind of changed that narrative as well because he continued what he was doing. Five catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. You may remember that that touchdown was the one to send it to overtime. Uh, the right side of the end zone in front of the student section. Uh, great ball by Montez, by the way. And somehow Tony Brown goes up, gets that, taps his toes, looks like an NFL receiver. That's an NFL-level catch. And... You know, this is where this comp is kind of going, is that he reminds me of a Jawan Winfrey. And, you know, Jawan didn't play for whatever reason. He was hurt. He had all this other stuff. He had personal issues that made him leave his first school and go to Colorado, whatever. Um, the point is, when he got a chance to play, he wasn't like this huge production guy. It's not like LaVisca sitting out where you're like, oh, no, there goes 150 yards. Uh, there goes all of our offense. With Juwan, you just saw him flash those NFL skills. Um, he, he would make, he, he had one touchdown catch in particular. I think that might have been against Colorado State, where he's kind of like turning around. It's like a back shoulder catch, gets his toes in, reaches out, grabs the ball, and you're like, wow, that was a play an NFL receiver makes. And he had a few of those when I was going back through the film last year where you're like, oh, wow, see, this is what he has. I don't know why it's not replicable. Uh, in this college game, I mean, I kind of do. It's because you're using him the exact same way in the NFL as you would in college. He's not a guy who, in college football, you just throw the screen to and let him run like you would a LaVisca Chenault because that's not his game. He wouldn't be bad at it by any means, but there are other guys who are real plus players. That's their strength. Um, he's, he's not a guy who you just force the ball to and let him go. He's an NFL receiver in that he wants to run some real routes. He wants to get downfield. And that is what makes him what he is. And he can continue that into the NFL because of those. I mean, it senses more than anything, just knowing how to feel the game. It kind of reminds me of, uh, Ooh, I know we all love when I make Montana references. Um, Ahmad Rory. He was the point guard at Montana last year, the last like two two years yeah two years he was a transfer um from Oregon actually I wonder if he played Colorado uh started a bunch of games at Oregon as a freshman at point guard then transferred to Colorado or to Montana that part doesn't matter the point is he was a uh, an incredible point guard in the Big Sky Conference uh he he shouldn't have been in the Big Sky Conference I mean he started more than half the season at Oregon as a true freshman um but you know he was dominant 
he he could shoot the three, he could get to the basket, he could set other guys up. But when you have a guy like that whose game is being ball dominant, it's tough to see the future at the next level because each team only has one or two of those guys who just hold the ball the entire game, you know? Because you just, I mean, there's only one basketball and the person who you're saying, yep, you're running everything to, you can't be taking risks there. You're just giving it to your ball handler, your point guard. And that's why an NBA team didn't take a shot on Ahmad because there are a bunch of those guys around college basketball. Now Ahmad's playing in Europe. Uh, But at Montana State, there's this two, three, um, a little bit out of shape, um, great three-point shooter, all-time leading scorer in the Big Sky Conference, uh, spacing on his name, Tyler something. That isn't the point. The reason that why he got real NBA looks is that he was a guy who could send to the corner and he would knock down everything. Uh, and that's what he did in college too because that was his strength. He wasn't taking the ball and trying to get to the rim. He wasn't being this ball dominant guy. He became a piece and a piece that you could see how he could fit in at the next level. Um, instead of just being like this, I'm going to carry the team, he did his role. And Montana State wasn't nearly as good as they would have been if he had just taken over probably. But in terms of his own draft potential, it looked you could see how he could make the step and a team would at least give him a chance. I'm not sure if he ended up playing in summer league or anything, but that's, that's what you see with Juwan Winfrey. He's a guy who you can plug in and he can do that same thing that he did and probably at the same level. And that's what you see with Tony Brown at the, at the same time where he isn't a guy who you're just like running the entire offense through. He's a receiver and he's a good receiver and he's good at what he does and he's able to build off of what he does. Um, I mean, that catch against Nebraska, probably an NFL caliber catch. Uh, Teams are going to see that and be like, oh, wow, yeah, look, maybe he does fit in here, which is not at all what I expected to be saying about Tony Brown at this point a month or two ago, but it's exciting and, again, a great guy, and it's easy to cheer for him. Um, Keeping it going, Arizona State this week, obviously, nine catches, 150 yards, three touchdowns, that that's uh that's the marquee game right there. I mean, honestly, the Nebraska catch is right up there. But this game against Arizona State, you saw that he could be a guy who could be relied upon instead of just being a guy who you go to a couple times a game. He he shouldn't. I, I I tweeted during the game like he shouldn't be a number three receiver. He's too good to be a number three receiver. And at the end of the game, I like quote tweeted it and it's just said like, he's too good to be a number one receiver. Like what even is this guy? And he fits just your typical receiver mold, which bodes really well for him. You know, a guy like Katie Nixon, who again, I really like his game. I would give him a chance if I were uh, a, an NFL talent evaluator, which I am not. Um, but his game is a little bit tougher to project to the NFL just because a lot of what he does, you get the ball behind the line of scrimmage. He's a deep threat against guys who aren't as fast as NFL guys. What does it look like? You know, how how does the size affect him at the next level when other guys are so physical? As a college player, great, incredible. Um, in the NFL, still probably a good player, but there's a little more projection there just because the game changes more for him at the next level than it does Tony Brown. Uh this has been a lot of Tony Brown talk, but the guy deserves it. This has been uh, so much fun to watch. I think he had 32 catches last year. He already has 19 this year. 
I think he had like 320 receiving yards last year. He already has 300 receiving yards this year. Uh, already has four touchdowns, and he did not have any touchdowns last year. This has been really exciting to watch, uh, and you know, a guy who deserves it. Uh, so that's that's been exciting. And when you're talking about why are why is Colorado three and one instead of two and two or one and three or even zero oh and three? You know, if things had gone or zero oh and four, if things had gone really badly, Tony Brown uh, is is a key part of that. Uh, if if you were somebody who said that they would be one of those other records instead of the one that they are now, uh, you would point to Tony Brown as a guy who you probably misjudged. You know, obviously Steven Montez has been Steven Montez up and down. See the talent. You know, um, there there have been people who might be more important to this team than Tony Brown so far this season, including even Lavisca Chenault with the injuries. You could say. Uh, but in terms of guys who have really outperformed the expectations for them, Tony Brown has to be leading the way and could not be happier for the guy. All right. Uh, like I said, a lot of Tony Brown talk, but again, he deserves it. Before we continue this conversation into the third and final segment, I want to uh, talk about... Um, another one of our awesome sponsors and one who I'm probably going to be checking out here pretty soon because it's the bye week, which means things are going to get wild this weekend. I'm going to be watching college football a lot and I'm so excited. Uh, you guys may or may not have witnessed our very own Ryan Konigsberg experience a pretty rough hangover after the Broncos draft party and uh, preseason game at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, uh, this video is worth checking out on Facebook at DNVR Broncos. Vita Mobile IV came to Ryan's rescue. And I mean, they really came through. Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you may need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app. Request a skilled IV drip therapist. Sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 and save 20% off your first IV drip. Uh, visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more or just download their app and book your appointment. That's HYD20 to save 20%. All right, so I actually just read that whole read, which Ryan really hates when I do, but I hadn't read it before, and so I have to learn the key points so I can say more interesting things about it in the future. And, you know, I haven't had an IV to cure a hangover before, but Ryan swears by it. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, you should probably actually check it out because it is interesting to see him go through the whole process. He was talking about on the podcast yesterday, plugging uh, Vita Mobile IV, and he said that he went from a four out of 10 in terms of feeling good. And it was because we drank so much at the BSN Broncos draft bar party and then had to watch that terrible preseason game. And so we drank a little bit more. Um, but then the IV people came over, hooked him up and he was back to normal. He said he was like a nine out of 10. It was like a 30 minute drip. It's like 30 minutes. You like sit there, you can play Xbox, you can like read, um, whatever you like to do when you sit somewhere for 30 minutes, you can do that. And 
after the 30 minutes, he said it was a 9 out of 10, and then he ate a sandwich or something, and then he was a 10 out of 10. So the whole thing, 40 minutes, he went from feeling terrible to feeling just normal because that's how IVs work. You know, you're hungover, you're dehydrated, they just pump a bunch of water into you, and all of a sudden, you're just fine. Uh, it's incredible stuff. It actually isn't that expensive. I was amazed. I, I, I asked Bronco, or, uh, Ryan on the Broncos podcast when I was subbing there, and he told me how much it cost, and I can't remember what that number is, and I don't want to misquote it, and so I'm just going to tell you, it's cheaper than you'd think to have somebody come to your house and give you an IV plus, like we said, save 20% off your first drip if you use code HYD20. Uh, I seriously want to check this. I really don't, don't like having things poke me, but just like the science of it, of like how I could actually feel better after is just mind-blowing, and I want to check it out. Uh, so if you guys, whether you're a college student who made bad choices, uh, which tends to happen... If you have like an exam or something, perfect. Plug your wrist into their machine and you'll be all better. If, I mean, you, you know the situations where you don't want to be hungover, but you're hungover. Maybe you just hate the feeling and want to get fixed. Go with them. Give it a try. A uh, bunch of NFL guys do it too. Not because they're hungover. Well, sometimes because they're hungover. But also because they uh, need to be hydrated. Okay, that's a lot of IV talk. And we are going to move on now to the final segment. We didn't get any questions or comments today, which is probably mostly because we dropped the podcast right before the site went black um, while we waited for the relaunch. And uh, then it wasn't up in time for you guys to leave comments. So you're getting a pass. But definitely subscribe and leave comments because... The show's more fun when it isn't just my voice for the entire hour. Okay, uh, that does remind me though, Silverbuff uh, responded to the tweet uh, that we sent out um, for the podcast when the co- podcast posted last night. And first of all, that shows some serious dedication because the site was, uh, let's just read the comment. He said, the revolution has begun, so can't comment on the BSN site. Haven't seen it said anywhere, but that was the first time the Buffs won with Visca hurt. We've learned the offense can show in the first half. Need to see the D play a full game. An average D could give CU a shot at the South. Yeah, uh, really like that point about Colorado not winning uh, with or Colorado winning without Visca for the first time. Uh, I actually hadn't heard that. I hadn't put that together, but that does make sense that he was out for the losing streak. Um, yeah. I mean, you should definitely do what you can to get Visca on the field, I guess, is the answer. It's exciting that this team, shout out to Tony Brown for helping out with this, was able to overcome that against... Uh, I mean, maybe they didn't deserve to be ranked, but that's still a very good Arizona State team. Um, he also said the stuff about uh, we learned the offense can show in the first half, which is a good point. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, they've had the slow starts coming into this week. This week they got it figured out that it is definitely a good sign. He also says need to see the D play a full game. Yep. Uh, an average D could give CU a shot at the South. I mean, why not? Utah isn't 
seeming like it's cracked or what it was cracked up to be. USC is kind of the contender, but they have a freshman quarterback. It's open, but the defense would really have to step up for the Buffs to make a run at the Pac-12 title game. Not impossible. Not impossible by any means. But they're just going to keep needing to pull in turnovers at key times because this doesn't seem like a defense that really is going to be stopping opponents. So uh, good stuff from Silver Buff, as always. Really appreciate it. Also appreciate the effort he went to to uh, get his comment read. He also noted that uh, it's a new personal record of five mentions on yesterday's pod of his name, which is kind of incredible, but he has been so involved with the BSM Buffs podcast since we relaunched, and we appreciate that, just like we appreciate the rest of you who have been doing the same things. Um, Definitely buy in now because... I said BSN. I really am going to struggle saying DNVR. I've been working for BSN for like three years now. Uh, it's DNVR. It's DNVR. DNVR. Okay. Um, definitely subscribe. Get your voice on here because it makes it more fun for everybody. Um, before we get out of here, I want to talk uh, just a little bit about some big stories that are going on around college football, things that you guys may have heard of, and I am going to assume that my opinion on these things matters to you, and I'm going to share it. Uh, Starting with Derek King. (sighs) Okay, so let's let's start here. Derek King, I'm not actually sure if it's Derek, Derek, uh, Derek, um, D apostrophe E-R-I-Q, a tough one for sure but the point is he's a senior quarterback at uh houston and houston's season is off to a bit of a slow start uh king uh 5 foot 11 senior 195 pounds dual threat guy he's looked good he's looked really good and he could potentially be a pro prospect uh it'd be kind of interesting to see how exactly all of that would stack up but, uh, yeah, he's been playing for Houston for a few years. He's a senior now. And he just decided that he is going to transfer. And because of the new rule adopted last season that student athletes can play four games and retain their red shirt, he is able to play the first four games of the season, see that the season is going south, and then... Uh, and then decide he's going to redshirt this season and transfer. And because of the transfer rules, he can just go to another team. And that's fine. He'll play there next season as a redshirt senior. The favorite is Oklahoma. Uh, I actually have the Oklahoma versus Houston game on right now. Uh, an old one. But uh, boy, does this... This is going to make some people really, really angry. I mean, Derek King makes sense for him to want to go to Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma has played, uh, or I mean, they've been producing NFL quarterbacks. They've been pr- producing Heisman winners, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, the last two Heisman winners from this Oklahoma offensive system that seems like it would fit King very well because, you know, you spread everything out, make the reads a little bit easier, also makes it easier to run. For a guy like King, just like Baker Mayfield was a decent runner, Kyler Murray's a very good runner, obviously. 
it'd make a lot of sense for him. There's a good chance that he goes over there. He's going to make a run at the Heisman because he's on a good team with a good staff that'll know what to do with him, knows how to develop him. And this is a weird situation. This is a new one. A guy playing the beginning of a season saying, actually, no, I'm done. I'm quitting the team heading to Oklahoma. Uh, He hasn't said Oklahoma yet, I don't think, but that's what the indicators are. Um... I usually side with the players uh, in in these cases. I mean, why are they, it's not they kind of sign a contract? We'll we'll take the scholarship in exchange for this, but at the same time, like it's not like they're really gaining anything. You know, you see the argument. Well, the the scholarship's worth eighty thousand dollars. They should be happy they're making eighty thousand dollars a year. And there are two points that I have that I really think are important when you're talking about that discussion. The first is that age should not be a factor in these conversations. You know, there are adults saying, oh, $80,000 is a lot of money for somebody your age. That's not the point. The point is these kids are very talented and they deserve to be paid what they're worth. Uh, whether we can make that happen, you know, that's sketchy and we don't need to start pushing that. I think a likeness would be a good start. Just let people profit off their own face instead of letting the billion dollar valued schools profit off their face. But, uh, we don't need to get into that. The point is uh, saying that's more than most kids their age make. That's cool and all, but that's not the way capitalism works. You make what you're worth. You don't just make what your age says you should make. Um, so there's one. Because they are, I mean, Derek King is way more valuable to Houston than $80,000. And that's just the fact. The second point, though, because that one went a little bit long, is that sure, they're making the equivalent of $80,000 or less than that or more than that, depending on which school. But they're being forced to use it one way so it's not like they're actually making eighty thousand dollars they're saying hey you get to spend all the money on this you're getting this and sure a degree is cool and all that kind of stuff but i bet most of those kids if they had eighty thousand dollars probably wouldn't be spending it on school if they had their choice where to put that money so that's like saying to me you know henry i'm gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars but you have to spend fifty thousand dollars on i don't know on I don't car washes or something weird where it's like yeah that's excessive I'm really not getting what I want that's not worth my money and sure that's a weird example that goes like too far the degree is worth something but it's not the same as making $80,000 in salary where you get a choice in what you spend it on you know and so that you got to keep that part in mind as well at the same time he is definitely bailing on his team which is a bad look and I don't know what the balance is to that. You know, it's not like if he goes to uh, Oklahoma, the coach is saying, well, I'm not sure. Maybe this is a kid who's going to quit on my team. Maybe it crosses their mind. Maybe that makes him worth less. And that'd be the natural counterweight to him being able to make this choice. But I don't think that's the case because the point is he wants to go somewhere bigger with more exposure uh, because that'll help his draft stock. I don't like it. I really don't like it, but I don't know how you fix it without hurting a bunch of other kids who I think deserve some sort of freedom. 
And I mean, it's abusing the system and I'm not sure how you make the system into something that makes so that you, you can't do that. You know, uh, you know, he, he does say that he's doing it so he can come back to Houston next year. They started one and three and he thinks they can give it a better run. And so instead of going to the NFL or trying to go to the NFL after the season, he wants to give Houston another run. Sure. And if that's really what he's doing, then I guess this is in the best interest of the team. And there's a lot to keep in mind. The coaches pushed for the four-game rule. The coaches wanted a chance to see who could play and who couldn't, a chance to develop players. And it's good for players, too, obviously, getting a chance to see the field and retain eligibility if they aren't ready to spend the whole season contributing. It seemed like a good rule for everybody, but then there's this loophole. And, you know, if he does go back to Houston, then all of a sudden you're saying, wow, this does kind of make sense. It was the right decision for everybody. Um the if 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 he does end up going somewhere say Oklahoma i mean at the end of the year i think there's a good chance he goes to the transfer portal sees what his options are if his options are somewhere like Oklahoma somewhere like i don't know Alabama i don't know who's up next after Tua Tagovailoa if he gets one of these huge football programs to say that he could be their guy then i think that he probably takes that how could you not but at the same time, if he doesn't get that offer, it'll be interesting whether he decides to go to Houston, to go to the NFL, or make a run at the NFL. I'm not sure what his draft stock is like. I, I think that I, I would be pretty high on him going to the NFL is what I'll say there. It's weird, but it is letting a kid do what is best for himself. And that is a good thing. And you do have to remember, I mean, what are we losing? Sure, it's frustrating for his teammates, and he made this decision to do that to them. Some might take it harder than others. You know, they're one in three, though. They're not going to the college football playoff. They probably weren't anyway. Um, a lot of these guys that are his teammates, though, are working. Like, their goal in football is to win a conference title, to win a bowl game. And he knocked down their chances of that by deciding not to play anymore there's so many factors here. It's just this strange thing that hopefully we don't see more of. Hopefully there's a way to limit this without limiting his freedom because you have to think, you know, this is a really talented guy who's stuck on a team that isn't very talented and it will hurt him monetarily. Uh, if, if he's a fourth round guy, he's not going to get the same opportunities in the NFL as if he goes to one of these big schools and tears it up. And then he's a first, second round pick. He's going to get more opportunities. It's, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird one. If you guys have takes on this, I would love to hear them as always in the comment section. Uh, there's another story I want to touch on though. Uh, it's kind of this call for Reggie Bush to be allowed to be affiliated with USC again. Uh, for brief touch up on the story, obviously Reggie Bush Heisman Trophy winning running back, and turns out he took some money from donors. They vacate the wins. They take his Heisman Trophy. They say you are not allowed to be officially involved with the school in any way. 
and now he's been out of the NFL for a while. When was, was it 2005? He got out of USC. So, I mean, the point is it's been a while that all of this has gone down. And so he goes back. Uh, he's working the sideline. I'm not working the sidelines, but he's he has a analyst spot at the USC game at the Coliseum this weekend, uh, getting people chanting his name, the signs, the jerseys. It seems like it just seems weird that the NCAA has a rule that this man can't, I mean, he can't go in there and just speak to the team. If they want to hire him as a coach, he can't do that. Like, it's just weird that there's this wall put up by the NCAA and it's a bad look. And who are you helping? I'm, is this is this really worth it? I, their, their claim would be, you know, we, we don't want guys to be accepting gifts or whatever during the recruiting process and we're going to punish them so that future kids will see this and decide that it's not worth the risk because not only would you be your wins vacated and that stuff you're not allowed to be talking to your coaches or whatever this far down the road but come on like can't we just move on that was so long ago it's the NCAA. That's just another bad look for them. It seems like such an easy chance to pull a win where you can say, hey, you know what? This this is silly. You're you're not doing you're not going to do anything wrong. You're not going to do any harm. We've already pulled your Heisman trophy. Uh come on. I don't know. Just frustrated with that. Frustrated with the Derek King thing. And, and the reason I'm so frustrated with Derek King is that I want him to have the freedom to do what's best for himself. But at the same time, I feel for the kids who are on that team who really thought that he was going to support them. And this is different than a guy trying to transfer at the end of the season because for whatever reason. I, the reason you have that rule is so that if uh, you want to get close to your family, for some reason you just aren't happy with where you are, you get a chance to change schools just like any other college student but when you do it at the end of the year then the team has nine months to figure out what they're going to do to fill your spot and the right now Houston doesn't and sure is their season lost one and three does it really matter I don't know it might not matter at all but I don't I don't like it I don't like it at all. I don't even have a proposal. It's just disappointing that the rule that I think is so good to help student-athletes, to empower student-athletes, to give themselves the best chance. I mean, there's so many people say like, oh, ad- adversity is good. If, if you can't battle through adversity, then you're, you know, it's something you have to learn. But if you have the opportunity to put a kid in a situation where he there aren't bad things happening to him let him not have to like sure it's good to be able to handle adversity but we shouldn't be trying to make kids go through adverse scenarios serious ones like sure in practice you want to like yell in his ear while he's trying to kick a field goal whatever do that kind of stuff get him used to what whatever you want to do there but in terms of real life trauma if you can avoid that you avoid that you don't just say adversity is a good thing and it's something to learn because at some point you're going to have to learn if if the kid thinks that fighting for this backup job is going to prove more to whoever he's trying to prove something to than uh 
than getting a starting job somewhere else, let him make that decision. The whole adversity is a good thing, so we should make kids stick it out or like there are consequences for their decisions. It's like, well, if you can fix the decision though, you probably just let them do what's best for themselves. I think they probably realized they made a bad decision. It's still a bit of a hassle to have to change schools, go through this whole process. It, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just disappointing that the rules can be exploited like this. Um, it's a weird day in college football. It's a weird day in college football. And hopefully 10 years from now, we have all this sorted out. The NCAA isn't full of psychos. We're, we're saying, Hey, he signed a contract. He is making whatever reasonable amount of money. And I don't even know. I'm should schools pay players. I'm not sure I'm there. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The likeness thing, though, they should be able to do. Like, let if if you're going to make a kid stay somewhere, then give him what he's worth. And if he's worth that, then let him make the decision. Let him sign the contract. And then when he signs the contract, then he's committed. This all just kind of stems from the fact that they're it's not free labor that they're giving out. It's labor that isn't it's it's underpaid especially when you factor in the fact that they aren't allowed to spend the money on what they want to spend it on. I don't know. You, There are going to be so many different takes. Um, this isn't... I don't want this to turn into one of those things where it's like, oh, I support the players, or oh, I support the team, because this isn't just like a black and white. You either see it this way or you see it that way, because there is so much middle ground. There's so many different ways this could play out, because there's so many different reasons that you could support all these different things. You know, support whether you want to put players' rights to their own decisions first, whether you want to put uh, team whatever first. Like, there are just so many different ways that you can go about evaluating why things should be the way you think they should be. And hopefully this doesn't just get turned into a one side versus the other side thing. If you guys have thoughts, I'd love to hear your thoughts because honestly, I'm just confused by this and I thought I could talk through it, but I almost feel more confused than when I started. Uh, Leave them in the comments. We love when you do that. I know this has been a weird segment. I'm not sure if I like it or not, which I don't know. I'm going to have to listen back or get some reviews. Thankfully, at DNVR, there are a bunch of people who will listen to this segment and say, Henry, that was a waste of everybody's 15 minutes. Or Henry, actually kind of interesting to look at the national things. Share your perspective. Start a discussion. I have no idea. So let me know what you think. If you want me to just talk about the buffs, tell me that. If you want to talk about why Derek King is uh, a jerk to his teammates, tell me about that. If you want to tell me why he probably deserves to do what's best for him, because guess what? You know, we were talking about practice today. Sefo Lufau, he just has a normal job. You know, I mean, he has a pretty good job. We don't need to get into all of his personal life, but, you know, that's where he is. His college football days are behind him. He's just living a normal life after making a lot of money for the university. Should he have gotten a little bump? A little more bump than we'll get you this degree? I don't know. I think he probably should have gotten something or, you know, something would have been fair. Let him let him appear in a commercial. I, I don't know. You guys have takes. Share your takes. I've had too many takes today. And I appreciate when you do that. 
I think that's all I have for you today. Stay tuned to DNVR. We got some cool stuff coming. Uh, check out the website. Check out Brandon Vogt. Check out uh, Adam Mara's. They have cool things. I think there's a podcast. They have those videos. Um, exciting time. Excited that you're here with us for it. Uh, hopefully you guys will subscribe so you can interact on the show and also read all this incredible stuff. Watch these videos. Some of them are going to be behind paywalls. And that's just the way things have to go. If, if we want to do all these really cool things that we want to do and we want to be able to fund having new sets and doing live videos and having all this super produced video content, which is part of what we want to do here. And we want to have this many of us really building DNVR into what we think it can be. We need to do what is not maybe, I don't know if it's what works most profitable, but it's more expensive than anything we could do just taking ad-based revenue. And we've had a bunch of subscribers show us monetarily that our coverage is worth it to them and that's how we can fund this. And we know that you guys have a bunch of subscriptions, whatever, Netflix, Hulu, whatever you subscribe to, The Athletic, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, bunch of subscriptions out there is the point. And when you have that many, it's tough to commit to one more. Really appreciate it if you try it out though. It's only a few bucks a month if you want to go monthly. If you want to go yearly, it's like 40, 45 bucks, something like that. I don't think there's a sale going right now, but I promise it's good stuff. And if you look back to what we were doing a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, crazy we've been around this long, but it's just slowly gotten better. And we take jumps when we add people like Andrew Mason, Brendan Vogt, uh, Evan Rawls. We haven't talked about him. He's now covering uh, Rawl, the avalanche for us. Four people covering the avalanche. Uh, exciting times at DNVR. And hopefully you guys will buy in and come along with us. If not, keep listening to the podcast because it is free. And also, I feel like it's improving. Still not sure about that last segment, but in general, day by day, typically feeling more confident in where this show is going, and it's an exciting time for the Buffs. It's an exciting time in Boulder. Uh, thanks for riding with me. I will talk to you again Wednesday. Bye, guys. I think they like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act, and when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get Middle of the ring, Green. throwing blows, knocking down team at the team.
team, they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a